<laughs> Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for Pastor Ron and the team, you guys. I know that this is what everyone loves to do, but you know, we're human, we're flesh, we get worn out, people are giving of their time, so pray for your leaders, pray for the church, and guys, what a blessing it is, let's pray. God, we love you, and God, help us to love you better, help us to love you greater. Not to gain, but because you are good. Help us to be more like you. And God, as I unpack things tonight, gets a little more teachy, but Lord, would you help us to go and to love this city? Where we are with politics, where we are with chaos, where we may be with crime, where we may be with sin, Lord. Your, your sons and daughters are in this room, God. And we're your hands and feet. You've called us to go and you've gone before and you've got us covered from behind. And Lord, I want to hear of the magical and Amazing things you do, Holy Spirit, as you lead us. God, I thank you for this house, the blessing it has poured out upon myself and my family over the years. And I pray that is multiplied even now. We know it is later in the day, but God, we want to be refreshed only in you. And Jesus, we pray for this time. In Jesus' name we pray and say, Amen. Amen. Well, guys, welcome. I'm very blessed to be here. I've been getting spoiled. They've been getting spoiled. I mean, I've been boasting in this church, but... I'm just going to jump right into this. So if you have your Bibles, go to Leviticus 17. I'm just kidding if you were here this morning. We went for a while with, Levit with Leviticus 16, about an hour or so. Some of you guys are still laughing. That's how we know we're family. But what I'm going to go tonight is what I want to talk about is really in my wheelhouse with a, a slight offshoot. What I want to talk about is what it means to go into the highways and the byways, to live out this call. What does it mean for me and the way God has shaped me, and how do I encourage you? And what I want to talk about is Holy Spirit evangelism. What is Holy Spirit evangelism? And I know there's the office of the evangelist, but as Pastor Mark had said some weeks ago, we're all called to evangelize. There's the office of the prophet, but God can give anyone a prophetic word. There's the office of a teacher, but we're all called to teach and to shepherd and to help other people. So for me, what does it mean to talk about Holy Spirit evangelism? I mean, is there such a thing as Holy Spirit-less evangelism? Of course there's not. It might sound silly, but every time someone comes to faith, it is the work of who? The Holy Spirit. I mentioned this this morning, but as Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he claims he can see who he is, he understands it. Jesus says, you can't see this lest you are what? Born again. Unless your eyes have been opened and Nicodemus says, do you mean to return again to my mother's womb and to be born? And he says, no. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Even when Jesus came to Peter, what did he say? He said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say a prophet, and Jesus says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? You're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, he got it. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. If we talk about the Holy Spirit, one of the first things we see is that when he comes into the world, what will he do? He will convict the world of sin. And so if our goal is to talk about Jesus today, to talk about God, to talk how the Holy Spirit moves, where do we go? 
Do we unpack 1 Corinthians 15, what the gospel is, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? I think you know what that is. Do we go into the manifest presence, what we sometimes see in an altar as the body is moving and the things of God? You guys have a good grasp on that. Do we go into what the Great Commission is and we say, well, Brian's an evangelist. He's one of those sent guys. No, we've all been sent. Amen? I can't possibly go everywhere tonight, but what I can do is I can say, let's allow the Scriptures to just reveal to us the way the Holy Spirit walked through the book of Acts. Let's just look at him and say, okay, are you still doing these things today? And what does he have for me in this life? Because if we talk about evangelism, what we see, and you might say, I just want to hear all about Christ and Christ crucified. Well, let's think about Jesus. Jesus shows up, and I've said in probably every sermon I've ever preached, for me, my DNA is simply this, follow him and fish for men. Jesus showed up and called the fishermen and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers. And what did he do? For three and a half years, he showed them how to do that. We call Jesus teacher, but obviously we know it's a translation of the word rabbi, and that's who he was. And in that day, do you know what a fisher of men was? The great rabbis, you know what they were called? Fishers of men. Because they would begin to speak and they would catch your attention. If you send your kid to a Yale or a Harvard and you say, our son's going here, if they had a professor, that was what you would say as a fisher of men. And so these men were fishermen. They couldn't qualify for school. They didn't make it. They didn't know the first five books of the Bible memorized. They went and had wives or whatever it was they were doing, even at a young age. And now they're fishermen. And Rabbi Jesus shows up and he says, follow me. Even when he calls the other two fishermen, how, how could they possibly leave their dad? Well, their dad would have gone home that day and said, do you know that my sons have been called by a rabbi? When Jesus said, take up my yoke, you know what it means? It means take up my teaching. Take up my way. There was a famous saying, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So I would so follow the rabbi, the things he said, the things he did, the way he spoke, I would mirror Jesus. And that's why Paul says, imitate me as I what? Imitate Rabbi Jesus. So Jesus said, follow me, and we began to follow and for three and a half years, what did he do? Raise the dead, cast demons out, fed the 5,000, did all these radical things. Then he died, rose again, and what did he say? Same exact message, I want you to go. But what did he add to the end of that message? And Pastor Mark unpacked this a few weeks ago, but you know it, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. He's died and resurrected. Okay, Jesus, what's the new plan? You want to know the new plan? It's the same plan. Go, amen? But what he says after he says that, and here's what I'm just feeling as I'm just even praying, is especially on the youth, and we'll pray for them. I believe we're going to have them come down the front at the end, and we as a church are going to commission them for what's next for their generation. But I'm just telling you this is that we have all that we need within the house to reach all that we need for what God has. There's exactly enough time in every day and you're exactly placed where you need to be to do exactly what God needs. You can never say there's never enough time. What you can say is I'm giving my time to the wrong things because what Jesus does is he says all authority's been given to me. And they said, okay, what do you want us to do? I want you to go and he says something crazy that I'm sure you've heard. He says, behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. 
Jesus just said, guys, I want you to go, and I'm going to be with you. And what does he do the next minute? He leaves. Pastor Brian's coming up to speak. Hey, you guys, I've come to preach, and I leave. Jesus literally said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, and he left. So how is he possibly with them? Because who was he about to send? The Holy Spirit. And I wish God, I don't want to tell God what to do, amen, but I wish that as Jesus was leaving, taking off into heaven, that the Holy Spirit came down and high-fived Jesus, and they could just understand this is what's going on, but we don't see that. We know we have the Holy Spirit because we come to faith and we're born again, but here's the reality. If we talk about the Holy Spirit, and not in this church, but in many churches, people don't know what to think about Him, and He is a He. We can talk about God. God's on our money and God we trust. We can talk about Jesus. He's blasphemed in every film. But rarely do we hear about the Holy Spirit. Is he a mystical force that gets on the food or someone that shows up in the prayer room over there? When someone says, I just feel so ignored by the church, it's been said often, do you know who feels even more ignored than you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the midst of all of us right now, and He loves you, and He's pouring out His love on you, and you have more than you need, more than you need. You have more than you need because the Spirit of God is within you. And I'm saying all of this because He's not a thing or an it. We'll unpack this a bit more. And, and just so you know, tonight's going to be more like I wouldn't take as many notes. You're just going to catch what I'm saying. I'm just going to cut through verses. Amen. I know when I hear a guy speaking, especially from England who qualifies everything, just let it go. Get the tape and write it down afterwards or I'll send you the notes. Amen. But what we're going to do is my hope was that the marriage thing was about that. This morning was about knowing you were secured. And tonight is saying, let's just go. Live a life of going. I don't mean going somewhere else. I mean live a life of actively going. So the first thing is when we talk about Holy Spirit evangelism, the Holy Spirit is who empowers all believers for effective evangelism. You say, well, Brian, isn't it about God and Jesus? Of course it is. So how did Jesus' ministry begin? It's amazing to think that Jesus spent 30 years on the earth, and he didn't do anything miraculous for 30 years. Sure, he showed up and blown their minds in conversation when he was about 12 years of age attending the temple. But suddenly, if you want to talk about Jesus... There he is, as we mentioned his cousin John this morning, and John shows up and says, behold, the Lamb of God. And we see God the Father say, this is my beloved Son. We say, Jesus, the Son of God. And who do we descending next in the form of the dove? The Holy Spirit. It's at that moment that Jesus then, what? Heads out into the synagogue, and what does he tell him in Luke 4? The Spirit of God is upon me. Why, Jesus? Why is the Spirit of God on you? You're perfect. You could have done it however you wanted to do. Why do you even choose to have the Spirit of God descend in the form of a dove? And he says, because he has anointed me. Yeah. Are you anointed or not as a Christian? Yes or no? What are we anointed for? To hang out, to chill, to wrestle with our struggles? Sure, we can do that. But you're anointed to make a difference in a fallen and sinful and wretched world. Amen. You're anointed to go to you in your prior life who didn't know what you know today and reach those people. But here's the amazing thing about Luke 4. He's been tempted by Satan in Matthew 4. He goes in the synagogue and he begins to unpack. And every ministry, I don't mean the gifts, but I mean the kind of ministry we're all called to, you are in this passage somewhere. 
He opens the Isaiah scroll. He begins to tell him, today this scripture is being fulfilled. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me too, preach the gospel to the poor. That's the good news of salvation we had this morning. He's anointed me and sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those who are caught in sin, the lowly, those in need of being lifted up. He's anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who are bound by the things of this world and chasing things that are often led by the demonic. Recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritual and physical. I believe for that today, do you? I believe why we don't see it as much is because if I was going around healing everyone, it would end up online, it would be about me, and people would be coming to see, is Brian the healer? I believe there's probably radical things going in the world that God tells people, go and tell no one, and they don't. And they have this radical experience. I believe the Lord does that. He sent me to set at liberty those who were oppressed, and this is the deliverance from the oppressive forces, the demonization, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we talked about that this morning. That means that now every person can freely receive the goodness of God. You can be talking to someone on a plane in Tim Hortons at a hockey game. Sorry, you guys, lost the other night. Amen. My heart's gradually going there with you. Go Oilers, is that right? Amen. See, we're family, covered by the blood. But we're sent to go, and we have the power of God in us. And why are we saying this? Because we find ourselves in these verses. You're in this somewhere. Especially the youth mastered those verses. See, what does my ministry look like? Because Luke, who's a doctor, a physician, wrote the Gospel of Luke, and it is filled with the Spirit of God moving through Jesus But then he takes us into the book of Acts, and here's what I want to do. I just want to allow you, has your maid, because someone once told me, Brian, you don't have to worry about qualifying yourself. I wasn't worried at the time. I was just like, what does it mean to follow God? And they said, the gift is already in you. The gift is already in you, and there's nothing worse than me chasing someone else's gift. I mean, if you want me to mess around with this thing here, it's a good thing it's turned off right now, amen? I don't have that gift. Don't laugh at me, guy. I'm kidding. But the reality is, I've been made a certain way, so have you. I'm the guy preaching. You're not tonight, but you've got a whole day tomorrow to reach many others who aren't pastors dead in sin. So as we hear this, think about how the Holy Spirit flexes his spiritual muscles, and I'll read it for you. In Acts 1-1, the book starts, and I loved when I first understood this. In my first book, meaning the Gospel of Luke, because Luke's writing, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach through the Holy Spirit. I'm writing to you to tell you all that Jesus did through who? The Holy Spirit. He could have done it without the Holy Spirit. He's God incarnate. But he chose to show us he was going to move through the things of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't change his divinity. That's just how God decided to work. And we see the book of Acts unfold, and we'll get there in a moment. But we see this at the very end of the book of Acts. It says in Acts 28, as the apostle Paul was disagreeing with the religious leaders, he says something crazy. He says, as they were disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. Paul said to them, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. He just said the Holy Spirit 750 or so years ago spoke to our fathers. That tells you that when you understand who the Holy Spirit is, he's throughout the pages of Scripture. What do I mean? 
Genesis says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? So who created it? Colossians 1, 15, 16, 17 says, All things are made by him, for him, through him. Speaking of Jesus, so who created it? Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God made me. So who made it all? When it says, let us make man in our image, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as active in the Old Testament, even as the new, but we just don't see it. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, this is going on. Why would he say that? Because Jesus told us in John 14 and 12, you will do greater works than I will do. How can we possibly do that, Jesus? Because I am going to the Father. You Me and you will do greater works. Why? Because Jesus can only be in one place at one time, but we can be everywhere. I'll be on a flight tomorrow. You'll be in Tim Hortons. You'll be going on your vacation. Wherever you'll be, he'll be going with you. And why? Because he says in John 16, 7, and I love this. He's talking about when he left. He's talking about when he took off into heaven. It is to your advantage that I go away because if I do not leave, the what? the helper will not come to you. Jesus lived for 30 years and did it all right. He's perfect. He's there in the Jordan. The Spirit of God descends and he goes and proclaims it. He lives it out, dies and resurrects. And we're saying, what's going on? And he shows up and says, now I want you to go and I'm sending a helper. And so for you and I today, how does our ministry even begin? It does not exist without who? The Holy Spirit. But being honest today, let's get real down to the nitty-gritty. Let me just try and pastor us for a second, myself included. Guys, we've walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He's told me this. He's told me that. I'm sure they ask the craziest questions. I mean, they're human, amen? Things that God didn't want near going in the pages of Scripture. I mean, there's things I want to ask God. I mean, did Adam have a belly button or not? Can someone just tell me that, amen? But the reality is that they saw Jesus They trusted Jesus, they believed Jesus, and now he's gone. And the first thing he's saying is, I want you to trust the Holy Spirit just as much. Let's be realistic, guys. It's not going to happen, but if Jesus showed up and walked down here right now, I would get off the stage faster than you can imagine, say, Lord, what do you want to do? And let's just say Jesus said, I'm going to transport us all right now to Afghanistan, to Iraq, to high rates of persecution. I'm going to take you there right now. How many of you would go with Jesus in an instant? Twelve of us. How many of you would go with Jesus in an instant? I know it's late. Why would we go though? Because it's Jesus. We can hold him. We can see him. If he's going to be killed, we're going to be killed. It's good. Yet what he's saying is no. It's better that I leave. Because if I leave, you should still be bold enough to go to Iraq, to go to Afghanistan. Why? Because the spirit that raised Jesus is in us. I'm trying to let you know that it's not just signs, miracles, and wonders. It's the force, the person of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Here's what doesn't happen if he doesn't go with us. The Bible tells us he convicts, John 16, 8. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin. I don't do it. You don't do it. That's condemnation. He does it. Second thing is he seals us, Ephesians 1, 13. In him, Jesus, you have trusted after you heard the word of truth in the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were sealed with who? The Holy Spirit of promise. 
He literally took your life, the blood was shed, and you picture that blood being wet, and he pressed the royal seal into you, and he says, that's my servant, my friend, my doulos. We're purchased by the blood. You are no longer your own. The Bible says he indwells in you. John 14, 17, he's the spirit of truth. Bible says he teaches you. John 14, 26, he will teach you all things. Everything you need to know, not what you want to know, Everything you need to know, he will teach you. He will guide you. The Bible says in John 16, 13, he is the spirit of truth. He bears fruit, Galatians 5, you know this. He comforts and helps, John 16, 7. Guys, I went to bed at 2 or 3 o'clock. I got 20 minutes sleep. I feel so good. Why? Because I need some help and comfort right now from the Holy Spirit. Amen? He equips us, 1 Corinthians. And guys, I'm just boasting in the Holy Spirit. I'm boasting in who he is. Everything we need is within us because of what Jesus has done. He fills us, Ephesians 5.18. He empowers us, Acts 1.8. You will receive power, that dynamite, dunamis power. We see this, and it even says in Ephesians that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says of a man called Ananias and Sapphira that they lied to the Holy Spirit and they fell down dead. I believe they probably were in the Lord. They probably had faith, but God took them sooner because they were so in rebellion. How could God use them? But you can't lie to a thing. You can't lie to an it. You can't grieve an object. He is a person, and guys, he has a plan, and he has a plan for Christ church, Christ city. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. But if we're talking about evangelism, and I love that Pastor Mark said it, it's not a workbook. It's not a methodology. I love what Billy Graham did. I love what Ray Comfort did. I love people going on the streets and praying and the miraculous happens. But for you, I don't know how God wants to do it. But do you know who does? The Holy Spirit. And when we say, Lord, we want to see him move, we have to create space for him to begin to move and to begin to speak. Because of that, how does this apply to us? Well, Jesus said to us, just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. So the same way he went in this power, we have been called to do likewise. If we're honest though, what do we do? I guarantee you 99% of us right now are looking at what we don't have rather than what we do. We're saying, well, I don't know I can quote all the Bible verses. Who can? I don't know that I have the Spirit's power in the way I want to have it. Who does? He's the one that moves. He's the one that operates. I don't know I'm in the right place at the right time, guys. God is sovereign. Stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at where you do. Amen? Because we see the power of God at work in Gideon, in anyone, in whosoever, in a donkey. I say this because, guys, it's true. It's Bible. I mean, God chose to put that in to say if a donkey's going to do something, you know what I mean? And I'm using the right word there. I'm from England, so I don't want to go BC. Amen? But here's the reality. The reality is when I was coming to faith at 24, as Pastor Ron had said, divorced and suicidal, there was very famous, well-known skateboarders who would walk with the Lord for years, and I'd still never heard the gospel. And when I came to faith, some of them came and repented to me because I'm all fired up and zealous. You know, when they say you'll share more of your faith in the first six months of your witness than the rest of your life, which is crazy. We should stay that fired up. But literally, I was running around telling everyone, being crazy, and they came and said, man, I need to repent to you. The Lord was speaking to me. The Lord was telling me, go sit with Brian, go talk to Brian, people who love me. But I didn't know more than I guess they went to church. 
Thankfully now, there's 30, 40 people, at least a couple hundred who may be wearing professional skaters in skate ministry. But I'm saying this to say, imagine if I had taken my life like I felt like at times. Imagine if I was someone that wasn't raised in Liverpool. We don't go near guns, but instead in somewhere like Texas where they're everywhere. Would those men and women who skate at the time be sitting there saying, man, the Lord was telling me to minister, telling me to speak to him. I'm not saying that to condemn, but I'm telling you this. The Lord speaks. The Lord is at work. The Lord is very specific. The Bible says we are living epistles read by all men not dead epistles. We are living letters. Everywhere we go, people are reading what we do. That's the gospel. Revelation 19 says what? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. As soon as I start lifting up Jesus, talking about Jesus, I don't get on a plane and talk like this and do this with my hands and be all preachy. I'm normal, amen? I don't start being all radical and everyone needs to repent. I'm going to tell you off. Oh, I get there. But I just begin to go where I am, meet them where they are, and say, Lord, open a door. I might have to dust off my feet because that person doesn't want to listen. When you do street ministry, most people aren't going to listen. Do you know why? They're probably going somewhere. They have a meeting or they're going to get food. They aren't just walking around the street waiting for someone to witness to them. Amen? We've got to get over that. But God has appointed times for you every day. But he says people are perishing for lack of what? Vision. This was the first verse that really began to minister to me when I began to get in a pulpit. I say it so much because why? I'm not perishing anymore. You're not perishing anymore. We once, once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we... What about everyone else? What about everyone else? What about their vision? What about those who are dead in sin? What about those that the youth in this house are going to reach? What about when the next revival comes? What about when the worship leaders raise up worship leaders and pastors, apostles, servants, all the rest? I mean, James says life is a what? Vapor. Thank you, Lord, for this church that you've saved us for the work today. But as soon as we exit these doors, everyone else's vapor, they don't know the Lord. You remember that movie? I said this the first time I came, The Sixth Sense. Remember the movie with that creepy little kid, I See Dead People? That stuck to my heart. Everywhere I go and I look at the plane, I see dead people. They're either in Christ or they're dead. They know Jesus or they don't. You're going to proclaim to them or you're not. This is the greatest miracle to ever see this work. Why? Well, how many guys are in full-time ministry? Yes, I'm doing this again. How many guys are Christians? That's how many of us are in full-time ministry. The Bible says, the Bible says you are a chosen generation. Guys, God handpicked you. You are a royal priesthood. Not just a priest. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. But so often we don't live believing this. If there's anything we've been lied to in the church from ourselves, from our doubts, is that we don't believe this. We have the anointing and the Spirit of God. And what does this look like? Help us unpack it. Well, in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus has said all of this. Luke is recording it. You heard what I just said. But here's the disciples, and they're downtrodden. Some of them are fired up, some of them are not, and now they're gathered together in a room. And they've recounted in Acts 1 and 8 that we're going to receive this power. 
Jesus says, I don't want you to go anywhere until you receive this power. And here we are gathered, and the Bible says the Spirit of God shows up, and He begins to move and minister, and there's cloven tongues of fire. And Peter, who denied Jesus, suddenly he's bold. They begin to prophesy. They speak in tongues, so much so that what happens? Outside the window, men looking up. 13 different languages. They're hearing them speak in tongues, different languages. And the men look up and they say, these men are drunk. And Peter, of all people who fled, I mean, cuts a guy's ear off one minute, less time he's out of his mind. He's back and forth bipolar. And now he looks down the window and he says, men, we're not drunk like you suppose. But instead, this is that which is spoken by the prophet who? Joel. In the last days, God will pour out His Spirit, and what your sons and daughters will do is what? Prophesy, have dreams, there'll be visions, there'll be all kinds of things. And if I say that, when are the last days? I'm not talking about the end times. The end times is the end times. The last days are from the moment Jesus came to the moment Jesus returns. The last days are from that moment on. The last days are in that season. And so many times we say, God, give me a divine appointment. Guys, every day is a divine appointment. You know what? I look to the guys who worship, and here's the amazing thing about worship leaders. You are already doing what you will be doing in heaven. I won't evangelize one person in heaven. All the evangelism there ever is is right now, 2019. Today's the day of salvation. So many times, I'm going to wait months and months and months and months to get to know them, and then maybe when they say, you're just so cool, and you don't swear like my crazy uncle, I don't see you hammered drunk, you don't hate the president, or you don't do this, that's not the gospel. Jesus didn't minister to people for 30 years, but you will never find a situation where he begins his ministry and he waits to proclaim the truth. You will never see it. Every single encounter, it is right then. The woman at the well, she already gets he's a prophet, and he addresses her husbands. Zacchaeus, Bartimaeus, every person, I get it. There's that whole seeker-friendly movement, and we want to fill the church, and people are good, and it's all this stuff, but guys, the gospel's the power of salvation. What Pastor Ron said, I am only here because of the gospel, because of the cross, because of the grace, because the Spirit of God convicted me. And if Jesus flipped the world upside down, and yes, he's the Messiah for three and a half years, but 12 men that couldn't even fish properly apparently flipped the whole region upside down, amen? I mean, with our phones and television and internet and the Spirit of God, imagine what we can go on to do. Is this ministering to people or what? So here's what we do. We say, well, Brian, when you say the Spirit, there's so many denominations and we all have variations of what that means. What baptism and what this and what that. Well, we can cut right down to the chase. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by what? The Spirit of God. If you know you are a believer, you have the Spirit of God in you. Does He continually fill you? Yes. If you don't pursue him, he's a person. Are you really going to see him show up? If I don't pursue my daughter, pursue my friends, respond to emails, am I going to get closer and closer to those people? No. We see this in the Old Testament. The oil was poured out, and they would rub the oil on, and it represented anointing. So if I want to grow in the things of God, I need to get near the Word. I need to get near the Spirit. I need to ask God to fill. There's some of you in here in the whole service. All you're saying is, Lord, what are you saying in the Spirit? You're the more prophetic person. 
I register through teaching. That's the way God's made me. But we can go deeper and deeper in the things of God. And it doesn't get funky. It doesn't have to get weird. Let people do that. As long as you're seeing souls won and we're not chasing signs, the Bible says signs will follow us, those who believe, amen, then God is still going to minister that way. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 21. He says, now he establishes us with you in Christ, and he has anointed us in God. He has also sealed us and giving us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We've been sealed, but you know what he said about you and me? And I already told you this. He says we've been anointed. What does it mean to be anointed? Guys, I spent 20 years skateboarding. I never went on a stage. I never wanted to speak. If you were getting anything out of this tonight, it's because I've been anointed to be here. Amen? We can cut right to the chase. I want to be smart with time tonight. But here's the reality. How many of you guys ever tried to walk on water? A lot of you are lying right now because I've tried it a lot. I surf and it doesn't work. I come off that board, I'm done. Do you know why you cannot walk on water? I mean, that's a fair question, right? Jesus said, greater things will you do? I'm going to run on water. No. Jesus was anointed as the Messiah, as the promised king. He was the one that would walk on water. And aside from Jesus, only Peter did it in just for a moment. I have not been anointed to do that. I have not been anointed to be a musician. I can play a guitar, but once a person drums, it is useless. My daughter, she can play a guitar. Hey, there's an anointing there. You have been anointed with certain gifts that only you can fulfill, and it's not for me to have any part of it, other than you blessing me with them and me blessing you with them and us taking them to the world. Amen? He just said in this verse that you have an anointing, and here's why. Because Jesus was anointed and has his cross and the Spirit, and we've been anointed and we have our cross and the Spirit. What happens, though, and I'll be open about this, is what I'm even seeing in California, is people are so focused on the words like anointed in the Spirit that they're not holding fast to the reason why God is doing this. It's all about evangelism. It's all about the Great Commission. There's no reason for the Spirit to be in us if we're not here to evangelize because we're just hanging out. I say that because I went to a skate park years ago at a big mall, and a guy came over to me, and he said, do you mind if I pray for you? And I said, sure. Stopped me in my tracks and said, well, would you sit in this chair? And he had me sit down. He got hold of my leg, and he said, do you feel like your leg's longer or shorter? And I, I realized then that I guess a bunch of people around the world have longer and shorter legs, I guess. Amen? This gentleman sat and prayed for me, and when he was done, he just walked off. He never shared Jesus. He never shared the gospel. I already invited you in. So it was more about the miracle that nothing even happened, but I said to a man, why didn't you share Jesus? Why didn't you share the gospel? We can go into that, but tonight's message isn't that. But why I'm saying it is because there's this form of spiritual power right now that maybe things are moving. I've seen crazy things happen that I don't believe that were of God. We see it in the Old Testament. But we go downtown to the pier in Huntington Beach and we have worshipers. And if any of you guys get to go, I invite a bunch of worship leaders and people bring guitars. They all just play their music. And a couple of us just walk around and talk. But what's been happening lately is supposed Christians have been showing up with signs that say psychic readings. And they put these signs out and they sit. And they've decided that when someone comes over, they're going to give them a psychic reading so it's less offensive but really it's the Holy Spirit. And then when God speaks, they're going to tell him, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian. 
Do you think the Lord needs you to do that? Do you think the Lord wants any part of the occult? I mean, you may as well start an adult business and when people come in, say, by the way, of all these filthy films, the passion of the Christ is way back there. Amen? That's the what's happening. And this almost new age movement is beginning to come into the church because people aren't standing here and saying, no, no, no. Guys, when you share the gospel, two things will happen. It will offend people and sow seeds, or it will sow seeds and they will rejoice and come to faith. That is it. We'll unpack that in a moment, but I'm saying this. Why? Because the Lord begins to move. The Lord will begin to speak, and we need to begin to see this. The second thing is, the Holy Spirit is who leads and directs all evangelism. There's so many verses we could read. There's so many places we could go. But you need to begin to pursue Him yourself and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What ministry do you have? Do you know what's crazy about being an evangelist? I don't know one church in America that has a staff evangelist. Think about that. I don't know one. So what we do is we go, well, this person's in ministry or this person, and through people like this church and other churches, they say, we believe in what you're doing. And so I stepped out in faith and said, God, I'm going to do this full time, and I trust. But for many of you, you end up defaulting to a ministry. Hey, we need people in the children's ministry. We need people helping stack chairs. But you might have a burden in your heart, and you should go sit with pastors, sit with leadership, and say, this is on my heart. You know why? Because they want to hear this. They want to see this. I have a friend in our church. Her name's Myrna. She's from Edmonton. She's messaging me the other day, born and raised here. And a few years ago, she came to our leadership and said, hey, all these younger girls are having kids and they're not finishing school and it's Hispanic neighborhoods. It's crazy. I have a heart for this. And they say, well, what is the Lord saying? All she did was put a one-page thing together and said, I feel that the Lord has given me this conviction. And she's four or five years in, and hundreds and hundreds of lives have been changed. That's the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen? It hasn't got to be radical. That's radical. But I'm saying don't count out the simple and practical things because Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God are what? The sons of God. Think about this. Billy Graham thought he was a pastor, and for years he tried to pastor. And you know what God did? He shut it down. Why? Because Billy's an evangelist. Obviously, we've seen the fruit, probably the greatest evangelist that we've ever seen in America and the world. Amen? You might have heard of Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck Smith, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, he thought he was an evangelist, so he tried to evangelize the congregation for two or three years, and he was a teacher. And Pastor Chuck Smith said, okay, Lord, I guess you've made me to stand and read through the Bible. Thirty-so years ago, the Jesus movement happened through churches like Calvary Chapel and Vineyards and a guy called Lonnie Frisbee way back then and other different people. And today, there's about 2,500 to 3,000 Calvary Chapels around the world. Why? Because God put that word in his heart to simply do what the Lord was saying. And just a few weeks ago, I had his son-in-law on a podcast, Brian Broderson, a good friend of mine, who's got to be 50, 60. And he wasn't in the Jesus movement, but I said, you know, what do you make of that movement? What did God do? What was it like? And he said, you know what, Brian? I don't think it stopped. And I said, what do you mean? And as I said it, I got what he meant. The majority of ministry I do is through Calvary Chapels inviting me. Why? Because that ministry was at the heart of an evangelist. That ministry in Calvary Chapel, it was a teaching ministry. But every time I go to those churches, 
They think like evangelists. I hear Pastor Ron come up here earlier, and he's speaking like an evangelist. I hear that heart. I hear it in the house. What I'm saying is, the Spirit of God spoke directly to Billy Graham with a conviction. He spoke to Chuck Smith. And it's funny, because while I was sitting with some pastors one day, a guy walking by said, you know, I was part of the Jesus movement. And one of them said, Jesus is still moving, you know. <laughs> and the point is, and the point is, we need revival. We look to revival, but God does this big explosive thing, then it's got to simmer down. You know why? So we can have church and community and have some counsel and help the kids. I'm all for it, but I'm saying that to say I can only imagine what the Spirit of God wants to do in these seats through you. I'm not the guy that says fill the seats, but I'm the guy that says fill the seats of people who need Jesus. You're going to hear the gospel. We're going to do it. Amen. I could go on and go on, but for lack of time, I won't go there. But a couple of thoughts as well, and we'll get into some verses. I was knocked out as a kid skating. I was 13, 14. I was skating a handrail, and I, I might have shared this story before. I wasn't a believer. And I jumped onto a handrail, kicked the rail. I had OCD, so I was going to do it five times, four times perfect. Anyone got OCD here? Covered by the blood, but you don't need any. Some of you guys went like this. Didn't want to own it. I kicked the skateboard, hit the handrail, hit between my legs, hit my head, and I sat up. No one knew I'd been knocked out. It was so quick. I'd never read a Bible, never been to church. And I sat up and I said, I seen God. All my friends are laughing. I start throwing up. I don't know that I'd seen God. It was the purest, craziest light. I felt so confident, so empowered. But I sat up and said, I wasn't a sponsored skateboarder yet. I'd been skating about a year or so. I said, I'm going to ride for um, Airwalk. I'm going to live in America, and God's got a plan for my life. And they start laughing. But all I said for two weeks was the same thing over and over and over and over, and I forgot all about it. I forgot it. That was the time I tried to open the Bible, and I read Tabernacle, and I said, Tabernacle? What is this thing? But what's amazing is when I came to faith years later, I remember telling someone the next day, I've never felt a feeling like this and the Lord brought me back to that picture and said, do you remember? Why it's crazy is I did ride for Airwalk. Why it's crazy is I did live in America. But what's even crazier to me is God didn't tell me what I'd be doing. He says, I've got a plan for my life. How do I figure that out? By following the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I'm doing next year. I don't know what you're going to be doing when I come back and hang out with you guys and my whole family. But here's the point. Here's what he says. Listen to this verse. Write this verse down if you can. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's crazy. Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He said, You need the gospel. You need the love of God. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son. But what do we make with this verse that says, And the communion of the Holy Spirit? He isn't just saying that He lives in you. This is the koinonia. This is fellowship. This is me hanging out with your leadership, hanging out with you. This is us getting to know each other. This is fellowship and communion. Why? Because the Holy Spirit ministers to us in three ways that we see in the Scripture. There's a para, an N, and an epi. The para is with you, and we see that the N is in you, but the epi is upon you. The epi is the act of outward processing. The rest is for comfort and gain and understanding. You receive power upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And real quick, I want to read through some verses to say, well, Brian, what does this look like? Here's a couple of thoughts. Acts 16.6. 6. 
It's talking about the disciples and their going. And this is going to sound weird if you haven't read this. It says in 16.6, when they had gone through Phagia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by what? What does that even mean? Was I getting on the flight in Canada and someone's like, you're not to go? They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. I mean, did He stop them? What did He do? We don't know exactly, but what we know is that they knew. I knew when it was time. When I was coming to faith, I remember saying, Lord, do you want me to do marriage ministry? I'd got my wife's name tattooed right here, and she was so afraid of tattoos, and I literally woke up that day and said, God, I haven't pursued you in a prophetic way in a while. I've done it for everyone else, but Lord, what do you want to say? Do you want me to do marriage ministry? We went to the tattoo parlor. I'd met the guy twice. He literally puts the needle to her arm, and she makes a little shriek, and he stops. And he says, I need to pray. He prays for two or three minutes, and he says, you know you're meant to do marriage ministry, right? That was it. What I'm saying is we need to hear the Lord. God doesn't always speak to us as clear, but in seasons he will direct. That's Acts 16, 7. Here's another thing. What it means is I feel called to Canada. I feel called to Costa Rica. I'm starting to feel called back to Liverpool to go and sow seeds there, but I don't feel called to Africa. I don't feel called to Russia. God's called us to go, but there's specific places He's going to put in your heart to use your time. Acts 20 and 22, listen to what Paul knew. It's crazy. He says, and see, I know that I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, meaning I know this is going to happen not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in every city saying that the chains and tribulations await me. He knew he was going to suffer, but he didn't know where and how exactly. Yes, he was heading to Rome, but he didn't know. He knew the Spirit's voice in some way, and what's even crazier than this is the passage I'll read in a moment. We encounter someone who hears the voice of an angel and can discern it from the voice of the Spirit. Are you ready? Acts 8, 26. This is the story of Philip the evangelist. There's Philip, and if you know anything about evangelists, they want to talk about everything. They're very much like me. They're excited. They will drive a church crazy if the pastor doesn't understand evangelists. Amen. Pray for some evangelists to rise up. But it says, Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. What, what does that mean? He wasn't nine foot. He didn't have wings because the Bible says we'll entertain them unawares. They look just like you and me. I mean, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they wanted to do things for them. They weren't nine foot. I mean, that wouldn't even make sense. Amen? Think about it. Here's this idea here, and he says you'll entertain him, but he says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and the angel said, arise and go toward the south to the road which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. And Philip arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under Canis, the queen of the Ethiopians, had charge of all her treasury, and she had come to Jerusalem to worship. An angel has told him to go, and he goes. And it says in verse 28, as he was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading the Isaiah prophet scroll, and the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. In one instance, in one day, he heard an angel, and as he went in faith, he heard the Spirit. I want to be able to hear the things of God, 
that are outside the Bible. I know this is canon. This is everything submitted to this. I'm not believing. Whatever you tell me about your marriage or the rest, if it's not in here, it's not God's. But I believe that the Bible calls us, as it says, Paul to Timothy, you're to wage war concerning the prophecies. People here, someone even shared about my son being like John the Baptist. Every prophecy I've heard from my oldest son, it's that he's an evangelist over and over and over and over. Son, you're meant to wage war for those. What are you meant to wage war for? He heard an angel. He went, and the Spirit of God was beginning to move. And why am I saying all this? Because as Pastor Ron said, Brian, what are some practical things you do? Well, the number one time for you to evangelize someone, do you know when it is? It's after church. It's after they show up on Sunday and Pastor Ron, Pastor whoever preaches, and they go eat with you, and they ask questions about angels, about the Spirit, about you, about your life, and the conversation is already open, the table is laid, and you get to evangelize them. You know the number one reason people don't go to church? No one invites them. No one invites them. Asking someone to go to church is the number one reason they show up, and you'll talk yourself out, well, what if they play this song, and, and what if the coffee doesn't taste good, and what if the kids are too loud? That's not the gospel. The gospel is go, be led by the Spirit, and do what the Lord says, a childlike faith. Amen? God saved me, saved Paul, saved you. I mean, it's radical. Acts 15, 28, listen. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you, that's all, no greater burden than the things are necessary. This is not a heavy burden. Jesus says the yoke is what? Easy and light. What are the few things that I look at when I consider evangelism? It's four simple thoughts, quick. Who am I around and who am I in contact with? They're the sheep I'm going to reach. That's going. You haven't got to go somewhere. It means going in the way you talk. Second thing, how can my story lead to a conversation about the gospel? My story doesn't save anyone. The gospel is the power. But we either pick one or the other. No. The girl on the plane, a Muslim, we had a great conversation about life, travel, the rest, Christianity, faith, and she heard the gospel through my marriage story. Third thing, am I praying for God to open doors? Paul prayed it. God opened doors. Prayer works. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. Makes sense. The fourth thing, what is the Holy Spirit speaking as I'm in the prayer room, and guys, I could have cried multiple times while I'm here. I'm just laughing in the prayer room, just, just watching my daughter, see people run around and parade and chant. I'm like, man, you know why this church has been here this long? Because of things like that. Because people wage war in the Spirit. People press into God. That's our faith. And then the Bible's leading us. And then we do the outward and practical things. We get better at loving, better at forgiving. The fruits ripen that are in us. Acts 17, 16, here's how when I'm talking about these four things. If you want to know how to live an evangelistic, spirit-filled life, this verse to me is the most impressive, Acts 16, 17. It says, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked when he saw that the city was given to idols. Paul had gone in and ministered, and they said, get him out of here. And he says, okay, I'm taking a break. And he went in and said, oh, idols. I need to go tell them about idols because what? It's damning because they don't know the Lord. He was provoked for the city. I'm beginning to get a burden for Liverpool. When you look around this town, do you hate it more than you love it? Are you mad at your boss more than you want to see them come to faith? Are you provoked to say, man, I need that spouse of mine to come to faith so my marriage can be restored? Amen? 
We want to look where we're planted and say, Lord, how do we get used by you? And this is what he does. It says he was provoked by what he saw in Edmonton. We can say that. In verse 17 it says, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers, but he also was in the marketplace daily with whoever happened to be there. Brian came to this church to fellowship and to preach, but whoever was on the plane and whoever's in the airport, and I'm not always on, I sound great in the stage, there's energy in me, my back's killing, I'm probably tired, my voice will be gone tomorrow, but I go into those situations and say, Lord, I'm going to go to a church, but whoever's on the way. You're going to go to work and whoever you're into. You're going to go to Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, and you're going to begin to be open and share. Third thing is, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the saving. Guys, let me release you of this. Evangelism isn't performance. It isn't works. He does it all. Paul says, some plant, some water, but God gives the what? Increase. Well, Brian, you're so bold. You know why I got bold? Because I realized the results were nothing to do with me. I have confidence that if you do an altar call and no one comes up, it is nothing to do with you or you manufactured it. Only God can save a person. Only He can convict. And here's why. It's not my job to save someone. It's my job to become all things to all men. That's our methodology. Go where they are. Reach where they are. Cast a different bait. Let the net go. Reach them. But here's why. Because He said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. I remember hearing that and challenging God and said, but what if we could get like a massive world revival and everyone to labor all at once? Wouldn't that nullify the verse? And it was like the Lord said, well, no, because there's always going to be a harvest. There's always going to be somewhere the Holy Spirit is going. You see, we're living our life waiting on the Holy Spirit, right? He's the one waiting on us. He's already gone. He's already going. I'm sending another. He's helping. He knows. So when we say the harvest is ripe, he's already there. He's already ordained it. And here's the confidence you have. I already know the Bible says the gate is what? Narrow. The way is hard. Few will find it. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And he says, all the Father gives me will come. My job is just to go and love and proclaim. And even when there's persecution, God is going to be faithful. And why? Well, the picture I want to leave us with is one that you probably already know from Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is called by God to be the watchman. And if I was the watchman of this house, I would watch the doors. And if someone came in, I would blow the trumpet. And if that person come in to slay one of you and I didn't blow the trumpet, your blow would be on my hands. And we see this picture of Ezekiel and God shows up and he's sent to go. And the Bible says that the angels rejoice, not because anyone responds, but because Ezekiel is faithful. Ezekiel is going into Edmonton, into Liverpool, into wherever. And this is not works-based salvation. This is because God is good. Amen? Do I believe that? Do I live knowing I have the truth and when I enter Starbucks or Tim Horton or wherever, the Spirit of God, the presence of God is there however He wants to be. Guys, start thinking of your church as almost a gas station. You come in, you get filled up, you get fueled, and you're going to go out now and take it. And when you come in beaten, we're going to love on you, help you, and say, let's do it all again. We're looking for divine appointments, and it's from the moment you got saved till the moment you enter eternity. Paul lived a life 
as the watchman, and he says something radical, and I'm closing with this thought, Acts 20 and 24, 26. He says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Does that mean you've got to go and share the whole counsel of God with everyone? Of course not. You can't possibly do that. But he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He wrote 13, 14 letters, probably. He unpacked the scriptures. But for you and me, you know what? God has got people I'm to watch for. God has got skateboarders I encounter. He's got people back in Liverpool. He's got people in Huntington Beach. He's got people that I'm going to encounter probably tomorrow. Am I praying? Am I believing? How many of you guys are family members you would love to know come to faith? How many of you guys get intimidated? Of course we do, guys. They're going to get mad, but you know what? No one's going to hate me for being a dork or stupid. They're going to hate me. Well, maybe they're going to hate me for Jesus' name. The Bible says they counted it a blessing to be worthy. I'm not saying go out and be foolish and put these banners up saying God hates this and that. Why? You go be you, and you go engage, and you say, Lord, I don't like what Pastor Brian was saying. You know, it sounds so scary, but Lord, will you meet me in that place? Will you allow someone to start a conversation? Will you allow someone to go where we need to go? We're right on time when we're closing, so here's what I want to do. Can we just stand to our feet? And as Pastor said, that I stand in that office, generally going and speak as an evangelist, but I want to charge us tonight. I want to commission us tonight. We spoke so much over this church, over the future, and whatever else, but I just want to speak it over you. I want you to realize who you are as a vessel. And in fact, can I do this as I pray for us? Can we have the youth and those who are in here, can you just come down to the front so we can pray for you? Let's get encouraged. You need to know these people love you. They care for you. They're excited to hear what God does. When I'm sitting in the back laughing at the things we're hearing, the testimony. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us. And then those who feel like praying, the prayer team and ever, we're going to pray for them. And then we want to just extend our hands and we want to pray the promises of God. Let's all just extend our hands for a moment. God, you are good. And you gave us this five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And Paul, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. There is a work that none of the other ministries can do. Yes, we can all evangelize, but there is a specific work. And I pray right now for the evangelist. For those who every time I see, they say the word go, they say that's me. For every time I mention another nation, they say that's me. That that quickening would hit them, God, in their face, in their heart, in their fingertips, in their feet. And they would say, Lord, lead me wherever you would take me, God. I pray for the evangelists in the house for boldness, for sharpness. Protect them from false doctrine, the lies of the enemy, the love of the things of this world. And God, I pray for the other officers the gifts you have given us in this house, that they will begin to grow and ripen and they would say, I'm boldly stepping out. I'm putting my hand to the plow. Use me in this church. If you're planning other church, if you're moving people around, whatever you do, God, we're submitted to whatever you have. But Lord, there's the evangelist, but then there's a call to go. I pray for all of us in this house that we begin to see dead people. We begin to see Brian, who was depressed and suicidal, mad at God, and what he needed was someone to tell him of your love, your grace, and mercy in God. We are someone. 
Isaiah fell before you and said, Woe is me. And when he saw who you were, God, awestruck wonder, fear and reverence, your beauty, your glory, Lord, what a day it will be. The next thing he did when you said, Who wants to go? He said, I do. I pray you quicken that spirit in us. That, Lord, you went and you fished and you showed us and you called us to follow you, Rabbi Jesus. And here we are. And I pray before we go for those seeds to remain, for the water to be poured out, for souls to be won, for this church to be able to boast in God what you did. All Billy Graham did was said, I'm going. We see all these men and women did is said, God, I'm willing. And Lord, I know it is tough. It is a challenge. But God, you are faithful. I pray the anointing. I pray the presence. I pray the spirit and a commission on the call to the evangelism that will be done in this house. Strengthen us, embolden us, God. Empower us. Thank you, Holy Spirit and church. We have some leaders come down with the youth right now. Can we just begin to speak over them? While we're there as we're closing up, begin to pray for people in your neighborhood. Ask God to put people on your heart. Who are you going to invite to dinner? Who are you going to speak to at, at the job site? Whoever it may be. And I just begin to speak over these youth. God, I thank you, Lord, for the young men and women. I thank you that the apostles were young, God. They weren't even of age yet. And Jesus, you called them by name. I pray you'd speak into us all tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your truth, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let me ask us here tonight. I see many of you here today while they continue praying. There was many here I see, but I don't know. Maybe you just strolled in. Maybe you heard all this and said, wow, I hear the Lord. Do you know you were born in sin? Do you know that you were born without God? And I need a forgiveness. And we need a forgiveness. And God's grace and mercy is to everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. I just want to ask you, is there anyone in this house today who says, I need to get right with God. I want a fresh start. I want to be forgiven of my past. I want to be released of my sin. I want to repent and turn to Jesus. Is there anyone here that says, I need Jesus tonight? Would you just raise up your hand where you are? Amen. Do you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. Would you come down to the front? We want to pray for you. Give it up for our brother right here, you guys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Would you come and stand right next to our brother? Anyone else? Ask someone, do I need to go down? I forgot I was an evangelist for a moment. Anyone else? God, you are good. Thank you, Jesus. Some more people are coming down. Let's stand right here, you guys. Hallelujah. And guys, I said it this morning. It's not the coming to an altar. It isn't the raising of a hand, but our outward faith, our outward profession. It's lifting up the Lord. It's boldly standing. And it's been said, if we won't stand for him here, we stand out there, guys. We know how this works. We hear the truth and the enemy wants to come in. We hear the truth and the world wants to come in. But guys, we're going to pray and believe as what five or six, maybe seven people said, Jesus, you're speaking to me. Some more are coming. Thank you, God. Continue praying for these guys. This is the house of God. Give it up for the Lord. This is what we expect. And church, let's begin to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer like I prayed. I'm going to pray a prayer like I prayed in 2004 when I realized God is in heaven. He sent his son. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose again. And it's been paid for and we freely receive that. 
We're going to pray a prayer to God, asking for forgiveness in Jesus' name and for His giving of the Spirit of God to transform us from the inside out. Let's repeat this prayer, church. Let's say, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge You and Your life and Your death, that You lived, You died, and You're alive today. God, I bring my sin. I bring my wrongdoings. I bring my shortcomings. I bring my death. And I ask for life. God, I repent. I turn to you. I ask for forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for the Lord, you guys. Well, guys, let's get into a time of worship for just a moment. Pastor Mark will lead us. But give it up for the Lord. We're going to continue. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.